today we continue our study in the book of Zechariah. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Zechariah chapter 9. All right, Zechariah chapter 9. Now, let, let me say this. There are certain outstanding chapters in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah 1, Zechariah chapter 6, Zechariah 12 to 14. But I consider Zechariah 9 as one of the outstanding chapters. And I'll tell you why in a short while. It's very unique because it contains three prophecies of Zechariah very, very well divided into three segments. Verse 1 to verse 8, prophecy of judgment against the enemies of Israel. From verse 9 to verse 13, prophecy regarding Jesus at his first coming. And very distinctive and uniquely, the prophecy regarding New Testament believers, meaning you and I, lah. And it's the only time in the Bible where we are described as jewels in a crown. That's outstanding. Three prophecies. But you say, Pastor, nothing to do with me, one ma, it's about Israel. True. Because Zechariah, as an Old Testament prophet, prophesied about Israel. But it's the same God, ma. It's the same character. Ma. So whatever applies to Israel, applies to you, applies to me. So, very relevant, very engaging, extremely timeless. Let's look at the first prophecy. The prophecy concerning the judgment against the enemies of Israel from Zechariah 1, verse 1 to verse 8. Let me read. The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach. Where is Hadrach? Syria. Very interesting. And I will elaborate in a short while and will rest upon Damascus. For the eyes of men and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. And upon Hamath, where's Hamath? Jordan. And which borders on it, and upon Tyre and Sidon, we all know it's Lebanon, right? Though they are very skillful, Tyre was built herself a stronghold she has heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions, destroy her power on the sea, and she will be consumed by fire up to today. Lebanon, at one time the playground of the Middle East, is now the battleground of the Middle East. This prophecy. Ashkelon, 
will see it and fear. Gaza will wreathe in agony. And Ekron too, for her hope. What is Ashkelon, Gaza, and, and, and Ekron? These are the home of the Philistines. Gaza, we know. Hamas will lose her king. Ashkelon will be defeated, deserted. Foreigners will occupy Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. I will take the blood from their mouth, the forbidden food from between their teeth. Those who are left will belong to our God and become leaders in Judah. And Ekron will be like the Jebusites. Why? Because David conquered and captured the Jebusites. So this is the hint. As David overcame the Jebusites, so too will Israel. And I will defend my house against marauding forces, and never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. So, prophecy of judgment on the enemies of Israel, Syria. Look at Syria today. You remember at one time, every day we see in CNN, right, the devastation of Syria. You remember or not? But now it's probably better, but still not fully recovered yet. Why? Eh? God's judgment. God said, I will come against the land of Hadrach. This is the word of the Lord. If God says so, it will take place. So today, Syria is no longer the glory of the Assyrians. But let me say this about judgment. My understanding of the judgment of God it is never, never to destroy for the sake of destruction. See, my understanding of God is this, that when God judges, it's never punitive as an end. It's always redemptive. So when God judges a nation, for example, Malaysia, He's never to destroy the nation. Never. Why? Because God is the God of redemption, not destruction. Even in the book of Revelations, we read, again and again, it is so that the people will repent. Correct or not? It's the same. God's under, my understanding of God is that when He punishes, He's never punish you to the point that you, you are Gone. Never. The aim is to bring you back. So my prayer for Malaysia is that as we've gone through a period of God's judgment, I believe that, as we come back to Him, God will restore. And I want to believe that we are now in the phase of Restoration. Come on, let's give our clap offering. Come on. You all are here physically. Come on, let's do that. Amen.
The cases are coming down, correct or not? And I, I want to believe that a sense of destiny, recovery will come back to our nation because when God judges, His character is such that it's never to annihilate you, but always to bring you back. So, Hamas, not Hamas, yeah. Upon Hamas is Jordan. Now, why, why is it that in verse 1, the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, which is Syria, will rest upon Damascus. Incidentally, I want to take it one step further. Even though Syria at the moment is still recovering, I want to believe that one day, the axis of Egypt, Syria, and Israel will praise the Lord. The Isaiah 19 highway. It will come. That's why I tell you, when God judges, it's never, never punitive, but always redemptive. And Syria, in the end times, I believe, will experience a mighty revival together with Egypt and Israel. Lebanon, Tyre and Sidon. Today, it is the meeting house of Hezbollah, of uh, Iran, Iraq, just on the north of Israel. And the, the playground of the Middle East, the Paris of the Middle East. You know that Lebanon is a very beautiful country, you know. You know, the, the, I, I remember seeing pictures of Lebanon, remember, in the days before the war. It's so beautiful, you know, it's a fashion house, it's a Paris of the Middle East. But today, it's still a better ground. The judgment of God. Ashdod, Ascalon, and Gaza. My point is this, all of these are enemies of Israel. Israel is God's chosen people. You know, we talk of the Iron Dome, am I right? See, in verse 8, God says, I will defend my house. I will defend my people. So Israel is God's house. Israel is God's people. God says, I will defend them. Why? Because now I am keeping watch. Wow. You know, during wars against Israel up to today, Hamas sends Kazam rockets into Israel and they have the Iron Dome. But I want to believe that more important than the Iron Dome is the Isa Dome. Because the Arabic word for Jesus Christ is Isa al Masih. The Isa Dome will protect Israel. Psalm 121. Verse 3, verse 4. God promises He will not let Israel's foot slip. 
He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. But you say, Pastor, what has God to do with me? I'm not Israel. Same God. That's why I like this chapter very much. Because the God of Israel who protects His chosen ones will also protect you. Because you are also His chosen one, ma. right? You also belong to Him, ma. correct or not? You are also His people, ma. correct or not? You are also His house, ma. correct or not? Don't you think that the God of Israel who protects Israel with the Esau Dome will also protect you? Against the COVID? Against any untoward accident, the incident? Don't you think so? I mean, the very fact, don't you think so? The fact that we are here this evening is God's protection. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Don't you think so? Whoa! Yeah! It's the same God, you see. And that's why I like this. This first prophecy, when God says, I will judge the enemies of Israel, I also want to believe the same for you that some of you are going through difficult days because there are people who want to bring you down. I don't know. Who, am I talking to somebody outside or here? I don't know. I don't know. There are people who want to, 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 to scandalize you, who want to say evil things against you, who want, which is not true. I want to believe that God will protect you with the Isa Dome. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for those people here those people outside there listening wherever they are who are undergoing tremendous stress, perhaps even persecution, injustice, whatever it is, oh God, the evil people are saying false things against them in the office, in the business world, even in the home. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray for strength. I pray, God, even as we look into this passage, we will draw strength from you that God, we are your house, we are your flock, we are your people. And Lord, you will guard and defend us, Father Lord. And you will never again will allow an oppressor to oppress us. Why? Because God, we claim your promise that now you are keeping watch. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second prophecy. It's about the Jesus at his first coming. So the first prophecy, it's like this, this, this chapter is very critical, you see. I, I, I like this chapter because it stands out and every one of these three prophecies, even though it's about Israel, applies to us. Because the second prophecy from verse 9 to verse 13 is about Jesus at his first coming. So, let me read. I want to read from my Bible. Rejoice greatly, verse 9, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. There's a change of language. Suddenly, from judgment, there is rejoicing. There is a transformation of the languaging. And and I like this verse in verse 9 because, interestingly, do you notice that it is the daughter of Zion? It is the daughter of Jerusalem? 
God is not gender biased. Interesting, right? This is 500 BC, you know. This is in Israel, no, which is a male-dominated society at that point in time, right? And yet God says, called the daughter of Zion. Sorry, la, those MCPs outside. Huh? If you don't know what MCP means, ask your wife. So rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of of, you know how many times Jesus called, oh, daughter of Abraham. It's amazing, right? See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wait, what is it referring to? The triumphal entry. So accurate, you know. So accurate. That's why I like this chapter and I brand it as one of the most outstanding chapters among the other chapters uh, of Zechariah because the accuracy of the prophecy is not only towards the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, remember, on a, not a donkey, on a foal of a donkey. Can you imagine that? It's not an adult donkey, you know, on a colt. You know how accurate this is? Not only on a donkey, not any donkey, oh. on a foal of a donkey. It was absolutely fulfilled. In Mark 11, Matthew 31, Luke 19. And I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. That's Jesus. Huh? His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant, amen. Wow. We took communion just now. And that was unplanned. You know, you know it was unplanned? Because it's true. And I will show you in a short while how powerful this prophecy is. The blood of my covenant 500 years before Jesus came, heralding the coming of the Messiah. And I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O Zion. See, God is not gender biased. Huh? Remember, it started with daughters of Zion. Now, just in case a man feels done by, huh? no, okay, I, I remember you, sons of Zion. Against your sons of Greece and make you like a warrior's sword. What a Zion. Why Zion? Why daughters of Zion, sons of Zion? So, it's spiritual language, understand? So, so, so there are two types of Zion. There's one spiritual Zion which talks about the redeemed community of the Lord. So anytime, every time you hear the word Zion in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it talks about the redeemed community of the Lord, all of you, okay? All of you here and all of you at your home. But there's also a physical Zion 
which is actually the political supremacy of the Jewish state. So I'm not talking about the physical Zion. Okay? I'm talking about the spiritual Zion. So it refers to the redeemed community of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles, in relation to the coming of Jesus Christ. The prophecy, 500 years ago. But why do you call it the triumphal entry? Eh? Do you understand? Do you, do you know why? Is it, is it mentioned in the New Testament, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ? No. It's only mentioned at the heading. All right? Never once in the New Testament, whether it be Mark 11, uh, Matthew 21, or, or, or Luke 8, 19, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ come triumphal. No, he came with a donkey. But where, where, where is the word triumphal entry come from? In the subheading given by man, one no. So why, why, why do we say, it's very interesting, that Jesus Christ's entry into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey is triumphant? The New Testament never gave the reasons. But guess what? Zechariah 9 gave us the reasons. Two reasons. The first reason why in Zechariah 9, and this is absolutely prophetic, you know, 500 years before Jesus Christ come, the prophet Zechariah declared that when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, rides into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, it's going to be triumphant, number one, because Jesus Christ rides in as the all-conquering king. That's what he says. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will rule. His rule will extend from sea to sea. Wow, isn't it amazing? He will proclaim peace to the nations from the river to the ends of it. In other words, when Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem, the prophet Zechariah says, Hey, he is going to be the all-conquering king. Wow. Isn't it amazing? Psalm, I think it's Psalm 24, right? Um, let, let me look at it. Uh, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Wow. So when Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem on a colt, He is riding in as a king. Amen? But the second reason why it is triumphant is because not only is he coming in as the all-conquering king, he is coming in as the covenant keeper. What kind of covenant? Blood covenant. 500 years. Can you imagine that? It's God, right? 500 years. I'm looking at my people here, but look down there because I contact my. Okay, so sorry, I don't look at the camera. Okay. It's better to look at you rather than look at the camera, right? It's more engaging. That's why you're here. Praise the Lord for you guys. 
really thank God for all of you being here. Come on. Really, I'm so grateful you all, took, you all come here. Because at least I'm talking to the live audience, right? He's a covenant keeper. And we just demonstrated it just now. He's a, he will never fail you, my friend. He will never, never leave you. And it's amazing how would he describe this covenant. He goes on from verse 11. I will free you, you from your prison. I return to the fortress. Come on, prisoners of hope. I announce that I will restore twice to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow. Fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons against your sons wow, and make you like a water. It reminds me, you know what? What Jesus said when he opened his ministry in Nazareth. Remember the synagogue? That's it. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus says, as the Messiah, prophesied in Zechariah 9, is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, prisoners of hope, set at bondages free, recovery of sight for the blind and release your oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He stopped right in the middle of Isaiah 61. Because the next sentence is, next phrase is, and to declare the day of the vengeance of the Lord. Hey friends, praise the Lord. We are still living in the year of the Lord's favour. Huh? Not yet come. When He will declare the vengeance of the Lord, when will that be? Second coming. So, can I encourage you, my friends? This is a prophecy of Zechariah that not only ends or begins with a coming of Jesus Christ, but also includes a period now between the first and the second coming. So what's going to happen to the first coming? He will set prisoners free. He will give you hope. He will now turn you to become warriors. Isn't it amazing? In other words, to, vict to victory. He will bend the bow of Ephraim. Look, I, I don't know what you're going through today. I, I really don't know whether you are depressed, whether you are downcast, whether you are, you are of all... I don't know what has happened in the last two years, is it? One, one year, nine, six months that we have been locked down now, since March last year. Can I encourage you? Come on. Jesus, the Spirit of the Messiah is here. We are between the first and the second coming. And you notice in the last portion, he talks about a second coming. So now, the Lord is here to give you hope. Understand? Lift up your, your spirit, man. Come on. Let's not be imprisoned with, with, with whatever it is imprison you. Many of us are self-imprisoned. We imprison ourselves. Come on, let's break it. Let's, let's fight it. Shall we do that? Because the Lord has come to declare the year of the Lord's what? Favour. Not vengeance. It will come. But now, let's menikmati the favour of the Lord. I don't know favour in VM. I forgot right now. I can't remember. Third prophecy. And this, to me, is the most exciting because the third prophecy, the first one is about the judgment on Jerusalem. Second one is enemies of Jerusalem. 
The second prophecy talks about Jesus and his first coming. And the third prophecy is about jewels in a crown. And I like it because this is the only time in the new, in the entire Bible where you and I are called jewels in a crown. Let me read. Is it okay with you? Yeah. So then the Lord will appear in the third segment, the third prophecy. That's why this, this chapter is so distinctive and so outstanding, you know. Three prophecies clearly demarcated and all three apply to Israel, apply also to us. Same God, ma. So, and then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march the storms of the south. And the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God will save them on that day. Day, as the flock of his people, they will sparkle in his land like... That's where I get my title from. Jewels. Everybody say, jewels in a crown. One more time. Jewels in a crown. Wow, I'm going to elaborate in a short while on this. Give me five, ten more minutes. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. What does jewels imply? Five things. Firstly, you are precious. Can you imagine that? That God would want to describe you and me not as human beings that I die for, no. You're a jewel. You're precious, my friend. You're precious. And uh, I think of various verses in Scripture where the word precious stones or jewels is mentioned. Exodus 19, verse 15, I think. Verse 5. God said to Israel and to you and to me today, you are my treasured possession. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, he talks about our works as precious stones, remember? So make sure that your work, because precious jewels produce precious jewels. Ma. So you, it's, in, it's in unimaginable that you're so precious in God's sight that you give rubbish to the Lord, right? You are precious. So make sure your work is precious. Not wood, hay, stubble, but precious stones, right? And then another verse in the Bible where the word crown or precious is mentioned is my favourite verse. You know, I'm so glad, Isaac, you asked me to do this. You know, I'm also, I'm also supposed to preach today, one. Right? You know something? Huh? 
Because, you know, Isaac, when he did his Masters of Theology, you know, he got a Masters, right? Now you don't know, now you know, right? From Australia. One of the books he studied was Zechariah. So he told me, Pastor, I love the book of Zechariah. You love the book of Zechariah, I preach more. Lah. Okay. So he was supposed to do all three today. And then a week, or so, a week ago, he said, Hey, Pastor, why do you do Saturday? Sure or not? No, lah. but since you asked, okay. Lah. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. You know why? Because I get to look at my, my favorite verse again. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20 is one of my favorite verses. Thank you. I get, to, I get to see my favorite verse again. What did he say? Paul, talking to the Thessalonian Christians, he says, what is my hope? What is our hope? What is our joy? What is the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not who? You. So who is the crown? You lah. But you say, Pastor, I'm not a crown. You are. You are precious. You are a crown. Is it not you? Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, my friend. Don't let anybody tell you you're useless lah. You're worthless lah. No, you are not. Amen? Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Do you do that? Those of you in the home. You are of worth. You are the jewels in the crown of God. That's how precious you are, you see. One other place where precious stones is mentioned. Where? Which book in the Bible? You are for God, man. Revelation, lah! Ayah! You forgot? But never mind, you're forgiven. The holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from heaven is shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious... This is a spiritual language, huh? The entire city of the New Jerusalem is a precious jewel, you know. Why? Because it is inhabited by precious jewels. Don't you think so? It's spiritual language. I, I don't know how, how, uh, how diamonds can walk, how, 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 how emeralds can walk, but that is what it is. The foundation of the city walls are decorated with every kind of... Look, it's a spiritual language. Incidentally, there are no diamonds in the New Jerusalem, huh? because I told you in the book of Revelation, right, all those precious stones that I mentioned are anisotropic stones. Diamond is an isotropic stone, therefore it's not mentioned in that list of 12 stones. So apologies to James Bond, diamonds are not forever, okay? <laughs> all right. But the key is this, you are precious. Five things. He talks about you. You are shielded. You are precious. You are safe. You will sparkle. And you will be attractive and beautiful. Isn't it amazing? Come on, let's keep going. I love, I love this chapter because never have I ever seen... I saw this. 
that the prophetic utterance of the prophet Zechariah should say in the New Testament believers, you are jewels in a crown. You will be shielded. You will be protected. You will sparkle. And this is where I close. Verse 16 to verse 17. The Lord, their God, will save them on that day as the flock of His people. No matter what you're going through, my friend, I don't know what you're going through. You are precious. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because of your faith, because of your lace, because of your race, because of your grace, because of your mace. What does it mean? Don't let anybody tell you of your face. You're, you're beautiful, my friend. You're beautiful. All of us are beautiful in the sight of God. Race. No matter what any constitution says, we are of us. Lace. Don't care what kind of clothes you wear. La. How wealthy you are. La. Grace. Don't let anybody despise you. Mace. Power. Status. You know the mace in the parliament? I'm going to close this. You will sparkle. You will be attractive. They will sparkle in this land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young man thrive. New wine. The young woman. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand, shall we? Three prophecies of Zechariah. All three. Take it to heart, my friend, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. God will defend you against your enemies. No matter what your enemy might do to want to bring you down, understand, God will vindicate. That's He did to the enemies of Israel. So God will be always for you. If God is with you, nothing can be against you, right? At the first coming of Jesus Christ, He will set you free. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. To open up prison doors. Amen. To heal the brokenhearted. It's so amazing that Rudy is here serving the Lord even though his beloved mother just passed away two days ago. But we know that we will see our loved ones again, you know. That's the tremendous promise and the glory that we have. Hallelujah. And all of us are jewels in His crown. So Father, we thank You. Thank You for Your Word and Your promise. Thank You, O oh God, that these are not just prophecies, but they are promises as well. As you are with Israel, as you are the God of Israel, so you are also our God. We will all be protected by the Esau Dome. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you, Father. We want to love you and serve you for the rest of our days. I always believe that it's a posture of surrender. It's a posture of yielding. 
because it's a funnel, you see. As we stretch our hands to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, yes, we yield. Yes, we surrender. And it all ends up to our heart. Today, purify our hearts. Once again. Whatever that you and I have gone through in the last one year or one and a half years or two years, set it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Because He will never leave you. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And He will see us through. Understand? He will see us through. No matter what happens, never give up on God. Don't lose hope on Him. Today, can I encourage you? Those of you who are here, with the hands outstretched to the Lord, Lord, you said so in your promise. That Lord, all the enemies of our life, whether it be sickness, whether it be emotional or mental or financial, anything that brings us down, Lord, you will fight for us. And you will bend the bow of Ephraim. You will not allow the marauding forces to oppress us. No, Lord, no. Because now you said, I am keeping watch. So this day, we lay our hands, lay our lives afresh once again at the altar and ask you, Lord, to take it up so that we can continue to love you, continue to serve you because we are your precious jewel. We are your treasured possession. We are jewels in your crown. Thank you. Spend a moment of quietness before God before I close. Allow the Word of God to enter your spirit, man. Don't be hardened. Don't shut him away. Would you allow him? He's a good God, my friend. He's a good God. Don't harden your heart by anything. Invite him to come to your house. Invite him to come to your family. Invite him to come to your business. And stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day, my friend. May the Lord make His face always shine upon you and your loved ones and your family. Some of them are not here with you. Wherever they are, the Lord will take care of them, understand? You take care of God's house. God will take care of your house. And so may the Lord turn His face, His beautiful face towards every one of you and your loved ones and always grant you shalom shalom 
In Jesus' precious name I pray Now God's people say aloud Amen. Amen Come on, let's give God a good clap offering Whoa Amen God bless you